people are really thinking about the value of their contribution and the work that they're doing. I want to know that the organization where I'm spending the majority of my time has a point of view and position about making the communities that we serve and where we operate better. Hi, I'm Tori Reed, the CEO of Victory and Noble, as well as the executive producer for Getting Deals Done. Getting Deals Done is about one of three dynamic intentions. Number one, the success mindset, which is about the visionary doer as well as the dream catcher. Number two, systems, what it takes to get deals done in the world. And number three, power, how big things are done in the world. Getting Deals Done is about impacting humanity one deal at a time. Our shows are produced for the busy executive in under 20 minutes with voiceovers that aim to clarify, inspire, and raise your collective business IQ. We hope this show will leave you supercharged with capital energy, focused with purpose, and ready to do your very best by being your best. Welcome to Getting Deals Done with Patrick Howell, my partner and a tenured financier, as well as someone who knows a thing or two about getting the deal done. Courtesy of our partners at Vivro Water, a sustainable solutions company that mirrors our commitment to clarity, focus, and a better world. Vivro's water solutions for business have already helped divert tens of millions of wasteful plastic bottles from landfills and waterways. Every day, Vivro systems across the globe help forward-thinking companies transform their own on-premise water into a source for pure and reliable filtered hydration. Let Vivro help you and your business leave a legacy of stewardship, health, and wellness that will literally make you feel good inside. Go to vivrowater.com, V-I-V-R-E-A-U water.com for more information. Our tagline for getting deals done is prosperity is the state of being, not a ledger line in your bank account. So how do we advance that adage to the business world and capital markets where cash is king? This is a period of extraordinary shift in history between two powerful generations. On one end of the equation are the baby boomers, 71.2 million strong with 59.4 trillion in wealth, nearly 50% of the total economic pie. Then there are nearly 72.6 million millennials with only 13% of the market share, but where 188% when combined with Generation Z are looking to create their own businesses as compared with older generations. Essentially, they will alter the very nature of reality with enterprises and industries as cryptocurrency, space travel, the metaverse, artificial intelligence, and investors who are increasingly applying non-financial metrics of environmental, social, and governance considerations in how they deploy their capital. The nature of capitalism itself is evolving. Dr. Candace Steele Flippin is the author of Generation Z in the Workplace, as well as Millennials in the Workplace. And her work is to foster a harmonious collaboration between these two powerful generations. Thank you for having me today. It's wonderful to have you and a pleasure. I mean, I think a lot of what you're writing about is directly impacting the marketplaces right now as the world resets from the world of the pandemic into the norm, as it were. And so it's a pleasure to have you on the show. It's a pleasure to sit there and speak about 
the counterbalance to the baby boomers that are slowly but surely leaving the workplace and being fulfilled are being replaced, perhaps, by the millennials and Gen Z who have a very different idea about what it is to be successful. So it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. I noted in one of your previous TED conversations, you had noted early on that 50.4% of the workforce is with women and they receive 81 cents for $1. Just by the eye test, do you think that there is an increase in parity of women inside the marketplace with men? Well, what I will say is prior to the pandemic, women were making great strides, particularly in the non-farm labor force. Women had surpassed men and a lot of roles where you traditionally had seen men, women were gaining parity. Um, the pay parity is something we still need to work on. However, women actually were set back quite a bit because of the pandemic. Many women had a lot of caregiving responsibilities that fell upon us. And so we had to step back from our roles, from our careers to do that. Women, unfortunately, may have lost their job due to the pandemic. So we have some ground that we have to make up now. Do you see that there's a difference in the quality of leadership that that women offer to the workplace versus men? Well, I'm going to be biased (laughs) and say anytime a woman shows up, you know, the environment's going to get better because of our perspective. While both genders can be effective and impactful, you know, there have been studies, including in my own, where we're seeing that Women bring the empathy factor to the workplace to humanize it a little bit more. And that's really important. And what we're seeing with the younger generations, particularly with millennials and with Gen Z, you know, that human aspect of what it means to bring your whole self to work is important. And women embody that in many ways when we show up and we leave. So not only not only women, but also the inclusion of millennials in the workplace and then also the onset of pandemic have us reflecting on what it means to be truly successful in the workplace. What we've seen and I've seen as well is a greater focus on purpose. You know, going into the pandemic, I did a number of studies and it suggested that what we were experiencing brought into keen focus what's really important. And, you know, I found that nearly 70% of millennials were really starting to rethink their career focus as a result of the pandemic, as a result of what we were seeing with the racial injustice in our country and the impact all these things were having in our economy. And so at one point, maybe the ideal was to get a certain role or a certain salary. Now people are really thinking about the value of their contribution and the work that they're doing. They want to know that there's a broader purpose. And, you know, Patrick, that doesn't mean that today I'm a lawyer and tomorrow I want to be a community organizer. It means that I want to know that the organization where I'm spending the majority of my time has a point of view and position about making the communities that we serve and where we operate better. That the work that I'm doing um, has a broader connection to something important and tangible. What is your purpose? There are folks on the planet with billions of dollars to their name who are plain old miserable. Then there are folks with a meager $10 in annual earnings who are the happiest souls you'll ever meet. Connect yourself to your purpose, power that with passion, and you will organically be connected to your own wellspring of prosperity. But what we're seeing in workers, they want to have that, that connection and that link to it. Do you think that philosophically we might be in the midst of the very nature of capitalism in the United States of America and thereby the world changing? 
Well, absolutely, we're seeing it change. I mean, you know, we saw several years ago with, you know, head of Black Work coming out and asking, you know, those organizations that are seeking that type of support to think about, you know, these broader social and societal impacts and the work that they're doing. You know, everything that we're seeing with, you know, ESG, which is an environment, social and governance policies and practices being at the forefront. We're seeing, you know, shareholders wanting companies that they're investing in to make these broader commitments, you know, to the planet. And so um, absolutely. Sometimes you, you sense the pushback inside of the zeitgeist of the culture where people are talking about woke culture and they might even yeah. sit there derisively. But really what it is, is about more harmonious interactions with one another in the context of uh, capitalist pursuits and also more balance yeah. by and large. It seems like we've been off balance for a little while. And now we're in the process of resetting the entire system. I would like to ask you a question that may not typically kind of fall into your purview. I'm somebody that follows the capital markets immensely. And so there's any number of different industries, including computer automation. There is also people talking about the metaverse. What industries do you think are going to play a significant role as America completes another stage of its maturation in the 21st century? What industries do you think are going to come to bear and become very important in the 21st century? From where I sit as a researcher and as a communicator, I would say the industries, one, that um, help us harness our natural resources, right? So anything we can do to help with bringing technology and AI efficiency to making sure that our air is clean, our water is safe to drink and preserve, and then our energy resources are not depleted. So certainly I I see that. But I would also say that, you know, where we have opportunity is to really converge with, you know, machine thinking and learning so that, you know, we can, we can scale our impact in, in, in in an appreciable way. And then the other thing that I hope that we will see is industries that allow us to gain back what we missed with our connection because of the pandemic. You know, we now have restrictions that are easing as more communities start to look at the pandemic as an endemic, you know, COVID-19 being endemic and something we'll be living with and managing moving forward. And so now we need to find ways to reconnect. And I'm hoping that those types of industries will continue to thrive. You know, whether it's, you know, going back into traditional entertainment like movies or maybe newer types of opportunities will emerge. I think that that's going to really be important. You see the correlation, I guess, of even as people are, you spoke of AI and you see the metaverse becoming something that people are talking about. I think that you've addressed that. You also see something organically um, where people are having, creating organic bonds. You talked about the movie theater just now. Um, Other industries that support that, that way of interacting with one another. You see more organic connections between people aside from what it is we're doing even right now with the Zoom conversation um, and being able to connect that way, which became huge in the pandemic in the last two years. Um, what industries do you think that that might affect in terms of the way we see ourselves, the way we work, and the way we have worked? So I'll pick one that you don't hear often but I do believe it will pivot and change, and that's education. Interesting. So I'm a generational researcher, right? So I'm looking at what's important in the workplace for 
Gen Z, millennials, um, Gen X, my generation. And generation theory says when you were born and what was happening historically around you shapes what's important to you. And I believe we bring those values and that mindset to work with us. So think about the young people who are going to school today and how their mm-hmm. lives have been disrupted over the past two years and you yes. know how their educational experience and how school systems have had to pivot and what that environment needs to look like moving forward to make sure that teachers and students are safe. And then unfortunately, we see the violence that has impacted some of these social spaces as well. So I think we're going to see some innovation, I hope, in education and what that looks like so that moving forward, school systems are going to start thinking differently about how they're bringing people together and then what type of resources and investments need to be made, not only in terms of, you know, um, primary and secondary education, but also higher ed and preschool education. So I'd like to see um, that industry change as well. And what we thought education looked like before will come out stronger in terms of how we're supporting that as an institution. And, you know, even and even how we're measuring student effectiveness, you know, some some colleges are no longer requiring standardized tests. So I think that education will be something that will shift. And that's a quite, that's an industry we don't talk a lot about, but it has been one of the yes. ones that has been most impacted. So, you know, if we think back to 9-11 and all the innovation that came out of that, I, I think we're going to start to see mm-hmm. some innovation there as well. I love it. I love that answer. And I love the fact that you are headquartered in Atlanta, which is to me a hotbed of activity in the world, both proactively and reactively. You have people like Stacey Abrams that are emerging from the South and have a national leadership role, I think, to play in the years to come. Um, And I think that education as a Southern value is really represented well in Atlanta. Education has always been identified as a lever to success, with many of the most successful visionaries claiming advanced degrees from the School of Hard Knocks. Millennials and Generation Zers have added on course requirements of self-care, fun, and compassion to their degree requirements. The desire to better yourself, achieve your dreams, and bring those visions to life will not only change your life, but transform the planet. So when you talk about some of the values that you'd like to see imported, I hear kindness being something that is being alluded to inside of this conversation. What other values do you see as being imported as we emerge into this new economy? What do you see as somebody that's involved in Atlanta, involved in Atlanta leadership, um, what, and, and national leadership and thought leadership? What do you see as being values that will be more universal and more readily accepted than were accepted in the last two years, and particularly in the time prior to that? Well, here's what I hope. I hope that we'll see more collaboration. You know, at, at all at, at all levels of society, whether it's, you know, it's industry and community, you know, whether it's, you know, in, in Atlanta, we have a strong, very strong, proactive and positive experience and history of industry and community coming together for civic good. You know, mm-hmm. um, the church is the institution partnering with community and industry for civic good. You know, we'd love to, you know, I personally love to see more collaboration across. And, and actually, it's 
become something that we saw organically happen out of necessity because of the pandemic. We had to find different ways to work together when we couldn't be face-to-face. And so we've leaned into a number of technologies that support collaboration. So that's something that's a trend that we're going to see more of and, you know, more connected ways to collaborate. And then the other thing as a communicator, I'd be remiss if I didn't say more active listening. You know, we've had to take some time to reset and really understand where we are as a society and take stock of that and own the implications of where we are. And so I'm hoping that we will listen to to broaden awareness. That's going to be good for community. That's going to be great for business. And, you know, so those are some of the two. And then the last, you know, you, you called it kindness. You know, I actually characterize it as empathy. You know, putting yourself in someone else's shoes, being open to appreciate where they're where they are yes. and what that means for them. Even if you don't quite agree, just seek to understand. Um, that's going to be really helpful for us. Um, you know, as a community, certainly going to be great for business. Yes. Thank you for that. And thank you for your vision. And thank you for your leadership in creating, I think, a world that is more aligned with the visions of everyone that are involved in it. And the final question is, and it's it's a little, you know, it's a little bit broad and philosophical, but I think that you're somebody that has the rich background as well as a vision for the future. Do you think that the American dream is possible in the 21st century in America? And what does that look like to you? So the answer is yes. You know, I've been going into the field asking different generations about the American dream. And that, and when I started in 2017 asking that question, there was a lot of conversation that for the younger generations that they didn't believe it was possible. And actually, that's not true. You know, the, the American dream, that ideal of mm-hmm. freedom, of speech, home ownership, you know, knowing that what you put into anything will bear fruit, something positive, it's still alive and well. And I believe that even with everything that we've we've seen in society over the past two years, people are now doubling down on their share of that dream. So I, I believe it's live and well. I believe more people want their equitable share of that dream. And I think that's a good thing for our companies. I think it's a good thing for our communities. And I think it's a great thing for our country. What a wonderful answer and what an incredible opportunity to not only speak with you, but receive your vision as you are active inside of the capital markets, inside of the marketplace, inside of the the business workplace, providing leadership. So it's wonderful to speak with you. It's been a pleasure. And thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Patrick. Global prosperity begins with empathy and listening and imbuing those qualities in our daily interactions and communication. Business is a personal reflection of your values, and peace is prosperity. Dr. Candace Steele Flippant exemplifies these qualities with her very being, as do a generation of women in the boardrooms and executive suites. Over three-fourths of our team at Victory Noble are millennial and generation Zers. They are vibrant, vocal, and clear as to how they want to accomplish their vision of success. Harmony, collaboration, and community. The American dream looks more different than it ever has in its 400-year history. To catch a glimpse of what that will be, take a look in the mirror. Change your perspective, change the way you look at things, and the things you look at will change. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Getting Deals Done. 
Each show is engineered as meditation on success by the same team that has brought you success meditations on the art of life, as well as being your very best self with our flagship program, Here's to Life with Tori Reid. The Hilton Sacramento Arden West in Sacramento, California, is committed to creating a safe and relaxing experience, including delivery of a clean stay from check-in to check-out. Located a couple of exits from downtown Sacramento and California's capital, our hotel provides a world-class stay, amenities, and rooms at the center of the California experience. California is a world-class economy with visionaries, doers, and dream catchers at its heart. Our mission, as with Here's to Life and Getting Deals Done, is the highest possible expression of excellence, business moxie, humanity, and client care. As the world moves at a fast and sometimes hectic pace, we will provide you with a peace of mind. The Hilton Sacramento Arden West is here to make your experience a better one. We look forward to receiving you. I am Ginger Levert, Director of Sales and Marketing at the Hilton Sacramento Arden West. Our focus is on the customer experience and a pristine excellence. When you travel to Sacramento, stay with us and I guarantee your peace of mind. We look forward to bringing you another dynamic offering globally every two weeks. Be sure to join us for our virtual mastermind forum. And remember, prosperity is a state of being, not a ledger line on your bank account.